online, I, I received an a instant message asking, how do I send in prayer requests? And somebody online that's been watching, um, I don't think they've been here to the service, I'm not sure, but um, you can do that simply by writing in the chat, or you can send a message to us with a prayer request, but you, you can also go online to our website at www.hcconcapecod.com, and there's a contact form there that you can fill out. Uh, you can also join us for prayer on Tuesday nights. There's, uh, you, you can find the phone number and everything on our website as well, and that's at 6.30. Uh, but we want to be a, a praying church, amen? Prayer is important, and we're going to be hearing more about that today as we talk about disruptive prayer. Disruptive prayer. Uh, now, when you think about disruption, there is at least, most of us have had a, a particular disruption here on the Cape um, unless maybe you have a power generator. But at one time or another, I'm guessing that you have probably had a power loss. The power lines went down and you no, had no electricity in your home. A few years ago, our power went out for several days, caused by the snow and ice here in Falmouth. And uh, so we, we know disruption in New England, don't we? And I grew up in Northeast Ohio where we get feet and feet of snow, just tons of snow. We were in the snow belt. So I remember I had a couple of paper routes when I was younger. I was in middle school, and, and I'm, I'm not tall anyway, right? So you get my, me, little me, middle school me, going through snow up to, you know, up to my waist from house to house. Uh, my legs were numb by the time I got home. But we have a lot of uh, disruptions in our life. Now, another form of disruption a lot of people are talking about today, um, because there are a lot of people online these days with classes and Zoom and all these things, is cyber attack, right? The cyber attack threat. That's another disruption that a lot of people are talking about. And we're constantly bombarded with the threat of some kind of cyber attack, like foreign hackers trying to gain access to highly sensitive data, or like some attacks on our power grids. But there's a bigger threat to shutting down America's power grid, a sneaky, small, homegrown threat, squirrels. Squirrels have successfully attacked America's power grid systems 623 times compared to at least one time by outside hackers. So I'd say they're a huge threat. The score is squirrels, 623, other attackers won. And as the story says, the real cyber enemy lives inside. He's a true insider threat and has been attacking national power lines for decades. So what is it that disrupts our source of power? What are the squirrels in our lives that cause that disruption from the power source. What disrupts our power grid? More important, when that power grid is disrupted, what do we do about it? You see, there's always a battle raging between good and evil. There's always a battle raging to take away our spiritual power. And we know that the weapons of the enemy are many. And he hits each one of us differently because those things impact us differently. One of those weapons, of course, is living in this distracted world. It's distractions. 
very distracted society where we're filling every moment with something. And we make it very difficult for God to speak or to hear his voice. Another form of distraction that the enemy uses is apathy or just not caring. You've kind of checked out. You're just kind of part, going day by day. Doris Day made a, a song pretty familiar, famous back in the day called K Sera Sera. Whatever will, will be. Yep. So you just kind of go through life saying, whatever will be, will be. I don't have any control. I'm just going to continue just to check out and just roll along. There's some other distractions, like excuses. We can make excuses about anything, about our spiritual lives. We can say we're too young or we're too old. There may be other things like family struggles or emotions or depression or unforgiveness or possibly bitterness in our heart that act as those squirrels keeping us from our power source. All seek to disrupt us from the power source. All wants to make a disconnect between us and the God that we serve, between us and the God who created us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, there's a reminder that the battles that we face each and every day are not battles against a person. How many of you wish you could just walk up to Satan and punch him in the face? <laughs> that would be an easy win, right? That would be an easy way to go. At least you can see it, you can do it, and it's done. Yeah, maybe there'll be a lawsuit. Make sure you have liability on your homeowner's insurance. Maybe an umbrella. <laughs> but you see, our battle is not against flesh and blood, is it? And Ephesians reminds us of this. It's not against a person. It's not against a platform. It's not against a politician. It's not against Republicans or Democrats or other countries or nations. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, let's read it together. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This reminds us that the battle that we face is not a physical battle against a person, or against a thing, or even against an ideology. Our battle is a spiritual battle in an unseen world. There's a good picture of this in the story of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. See, the setting is a battle about to ensue between an enraged king of Aram and the nation of Israel. And Elisha prayed. His servant came in saying, listen, we're surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open the eyes of my servant so that he could see what's going on in the spiritual realm, not just in the physical realm, when he looks around those armies that are surrounding him. And so his eyes were open to a spiritual reality that though they were surrounded by the enemy, the God of angel armies surrounded them and outnumbered that army. You know, we sing that song, 
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may seem like I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded. To our physical eyes, it may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by him. We're surrounded by different forces. And so here, that's literally where this song comes from. That though the enemy is all around us, we know that there's a greater enemy, or there's a greater army, I should say, not enemy, that's surrounding that army, and they're ready to take them out. This is how I fight my battles. So how do you fight the spiritual battle? We see Paul telling us that we need to protect ourselves, and he calls it spiritual armor. Now here, continuing here in chapter 6, we're going to briefly run through spiritual armor, and it's not meant to be a study on every piece of the puzzle here. But I just wanted to run through it because I don't want to skip over it. I think it's important. We can do an entire study just on the armor. But this morning when we think of the belt of truth, in the middle of all the lies, disinformation, and misleading information that's out there, when you don't know what to listen to, there is one place to find truth. It's God's word. It's the one place we can turn. It's the one place we can go. It's the one place that doesn't change. Because doesn't truth change from day to day, doesn't it seem? Seems like truth is one thing one day and a different thing another day. This is a truth that never changes. We must speak God's truth. Believing his truth. When you think of the, the belt of truth, what does a belt do? It keeps your pants in place. You're not left feeling a draft when you're following after God's truth. <laughs> then we have another part of body armor, the body armor of God's righteousness. See, this protects our hearts when we're being attacked. You see, the enemy would like to take your heart and turn it bitter. He would like to bring extreme pain to your heart. Your heart may hurt from the things of the past that cannot be changed. And you wish you could go back and change it if you had the opportunity. But that breastplate of righteousness covers your heart. It keeps you protected. And we battle, not because we are good or righteous or because we're strong enough, but we're protected by his righteousness. That's why it's his breastplate of righteousness around us, not our own. And we think of the shoes of the gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And the gospel is something that's supposed to travel. It's something that's supposed to go. It's not something that should be taken off of our feet and we sit down. Shoes are meant for traveling. Shoes are meant for moving. Shoes are meant for going. It's meant to move forward. So when we have these shoes, the shoes of the gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace, that means we're going somewhere. We're not just standing and taking taking it. Then we have the shield of faith, which, which protects us from the fiery darts of Satan, the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, flaming arrows are not primarily meant to kill or destroy, although they do, but they were meant to distract. The fiery darts of the enemy were meant to distract. You see, your enemy wants to distract you so that he can blindside you. You start looking at the fire, and next thing you know, they're coming with the swords. You listen to me, and listen to me this morning. He is not indiscriminately shooting his arrows up in the air and just hoping they land on something. 
He has tailored his strategy. He's studied your tendencies. He's studied your habits, your deepest fears, and your weaknesses, and has aimed at those areas in particular. He knows that he can't destroy you, but he intends to sidetrack you as much as possible and to sidetrack your attention by setting any number of internal fires ablaze in your life, like insecurity, intimidation, anxiety, worry, or busyness. How many of the ladies who have been going through the book by Max Lucado, Anxious for Nothing, have found that when you begin to let, you know, give away that anxiousness, that that's when the enemy begins to attack you with what? Anxiousness. Why? Because you begin to take steps forward, and Satan wants to push that right back. He wants, to, he wants you to live an anxious life. He wants you to be unfocused so that he can sneak up from behind. Don't miss the irony here. You see, the enemy sends flaming arrows into your life, specifically when you're being called to walk in faith. I want to say that again. The enemy sends flaming arrows into your life specifically when you're being called to walk in faith. Those arrows are deliberately intended to disable you from doing the only thing that has the power to extinguish them, walking in faith. And then salvation as your helmet. It protects your mind from the attacks of the enemy. You don't have to wonder, am I saved, am I not saved? You've given over your life to Christ and you've asked for forgiveness, you are saved. One of the best books to protect your mind that I've read out there is a book called Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. If you haven't read it, it's very powerful about the things uh, you can do to protect what goes in your mind and your thoughts. And we think of the sword of the Spirit. It's the word of God. See, Jesus fought Satan's temptations with Scripture. And every one of these are important pieces. Every one of these are pieces of protection. And we need them as we go into battle. But Paul goes on to talk about something that becomes our primary weapon. Our mode of attacking the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. What's the ultimate weapon of disruption against Satan's attacks and his battles? A battle that's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities? It's prayer. We don't fight spiritual battles with earthly tools or weapons. We go to prayer. I want you to notice the words again. You think, think through the verse. All these key words that I, that I like to focus in on. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Be alert and persistent in prayer. That doesn't mean a one and done prayer. Persistent in prayer means I continue to pray 
I continue to believe. I continue to pray boldly. I continue to trust that God is working in situations that I don't understand. And then he said, pray for the right words to speak boldly. How many of you could use some of that? Praying for the right words to speak boldly? Because every person we encounter takes things differently, has a different personality, and we reach them a little bit differently. So Paul is asking, Paul, the guy who started churches all over the known world, is asking for prayer that he would speak the right words and that he would speak them boldly. How much more do we need that? He said, I'm in chains, but pray boldly that I would keep on speaking boldly. Yes, I'm in chains. Yes, I am in prison, but I am not going to let that stop me from doing what God has called me to do. I'm going to continue to preach boldly. Pray for me that that's the case. See, prayer continues to show itself as the very foundation of the movement of God in our world. Over and over and over again throughout church history, we've seen prayer movements that have turned into revivals, that have turned into awakenings of what God is doing in people's lives and people coming to know who Christ is. But prayerlessness has become a disruptor in our source of power. It's become that squirrel that cuts off our source of power. So disruptive prayer, what does it take? Pastor O. Hallesby, who is a Norwegian Lutheran pastor, says he, he reduces prayer to one word, helplessness. Prayer is helplessness. Why? Because when we come to the end of what we can do on our own, we turn to God. We feel helpless. Now, wouldn't it be great if we just did that at first? But how many of us usually try everything we can first? And then when it doesn't work out, then we go to God. So when we feel helpless in our personal finances, when we feel helpless about family members and their spiritual condition, when we feel helpless concerning enormous challenges of our communities, our cities, and, our, and the global realities that we're facing, when we feel helpless about a worldwide pandemic, we go to prayer. We turn to God. And there's a few examples in many, of, of many where prayer has changed things. Prayer has changed things. There's a powerful model of prayer in the 18th century by a man named Nicholas von Zinzendorf. Good German name. Von Zinzendorf served as a host and a spiritual leader for a group of Christian refugees who fled to Germany from Monrovia. In 1727, to celebrate the communion together, they took communion, and the Spirit of God fell so powerfully that Zinzendorf challenged the community to apply Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 through 7, to themselves. And it says this, You will call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest, and give him no rest, until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her praise of the earth, makes her the praise of the earth. They called their village and their experiment Harnut. How is my German? Does that sound okay? Harnut, meaning the Lord's watch. The Moravians began a nonstop prayer vigil for a hundred years. They had different people taking parts of the schedule and prayer going on round the clock. From that prayer vigil, God raised up 300 missionaries who launched out to every nation 
and many came to the United States. It is hard to understand Christianity in America apart from the Moravians. One notable example is the impact they had on a man named John Wesley. This led directly to Wesley's conversion experience. You see, they had been on a ship coming over to the Americas, and huge storms were battling the ship, and the Moravians just came together and just began to pray and worship like nothing else was going on, like there was no problem, no issue, and that, of course, piqued Wesley's curiosity. Now, had Wesley been saved, and had he been, he'd, he'd been a pastor at that point. He had been working on uh, all kinds of education, and, you know, he, he knew his stuff at this point. But yet there was something inside him that he knew he was missing. And the Moravians were actually connected to his conversion, where he fully sensed God's work in his life. Of course, we know that John Wesley went, went on to have quite an impact in both America and England. There was a spiritual awakening in New York. This awakening took place in 19, 1857 and 1858. The revival began as a prayer effort led by a layman. It wasn't even by a pastor or a minister named Jeremiah Lanthier. He, he convened with six people, and they began to pray on September 23, 1857. Within a matter of weeks, thousands of New Yorkers were gathering every day to pray, causing a ripple effect across the nation. Within two years, a million conversions were identified nationally from a U.S. population of 30 million at that time. That's 3% of all U.S. citizens joining God's kingdom in just two years. Now that population is 328 million. You see, this prayer awakening began to have a ripple effect across the nation. This prayer awakening also preceded the Civil War. And emerging from the Civil War in 1865, another spiritual and social awakening occurred that went from 1865 to 1920. According to church historians, Methodist and Baptist missionaries taught the freed slaves how to read. This resulted in an African-American church that between 1865 and 1900 was the fastest growing in American church history. Agencies, including the Salvation Army, the Bowery Street Mission, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, all were birthed to bring relief to these cities and millions of people who were suffering. See, prayer disrupts a city's natural disunity, and it requires an informed prayer movement. We should all know and be conversant with all the challenges that are facing our town. Why? Because awareness leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads us to prayer, and prayer moves us to action. See, God can do immeasurably more in response to our prayers than what we can ask or think or imagine. But first, we need to recognize our helplessness before God. See, disruptive prayer changes things. Disruptive prayer changes hearts and lives. Disruptive prayer changes how we live. Disruptive prayer changes how we act. Disruptive prayer changes our priorities. Disruptive prayer changes our church's priorities. Disruptive prayer changes our cities and towns. It changes our communities. 
It changes our nation. It changes the world. It changes the schemes of the enemy. And it wins the battle. Disruptive prayer. We need some disruptive prayers to change our communities here on Cape Cod. My prayer is that God begins to take away everything that disrupts us from the power source. Everything that keeps us from his power being at work in us in powerful ways. Verse 18 again says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What were people doing in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 before the Holy Spirit fell? They prayed. And they were waiting. And the Holy Spirit fell. And we see God at work there. In Acts chapter 4, this isn't part of my notes, but we're going to go there. Acts chapter 4. We see again the, the power of a disrupting prayer. In verse 31, after this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached God's message with boldness. See, when you begin to pray bold prayers, there's no limit to what God can do. When you pray bold prayers, it gives you the boldness to preach God's truth. We see in Acts chapter 12, where Peter was in prison. You might remember this story. And what was the church doing while he's in that prison in Acts chapter 12? They were together praying for Peter. And it says this. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter, and the angel tapped him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. We need to have some prayers where chains of bondage begin to break. Man, and the funny thing about this story is that he shows up where the church is there praying for him, and he knocks on the door, and they look out at him, and they think he's a ghost. They run back in. They don't even open the door. They didn't even think that their own prayers were going to be answered. Peter said, I have to say, hey, it's me. Let me in. <laughs> That's what bold prayers do. That's what these prayers do. Do you want to see change? Begin to pray those bold prayers. Begin to believe that God can do those things. Let that be the thing that disrupts someone else's life because you're praying them into the kingdom, because you're believing for their salvation, because you're believing for those chains to break, the chains of bondage, the chains of addiction. And also pray that God would give you the words to speak and to speak them boldly. Become a disruptor in your prayer life. And don't allow yourself to be disconnected from the power source. You see, this morning, God can begin with a change in your life today. 
you can be set free from guilt and shame and sin. Or maybe this morning you've been challenged to set aside everything that keeps you from the power source in your prayer life. Begin really praying for those people that God's been placing on your heart or those circumstances or those situations or praying for our community or praying that God is going to do something great and powerful in our nation. Let's commit our lives this morning to the Lord. So whether you're praying this prayer and you're saying, Lord, I would like to receive you in my life, or whether you're praying this prayer saying, Lord, restore me. Bring me back to my first love. Let me continue to follow you, Lord God, with passion for your name. Let's all bow our heads and pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I have allowed myself to be disconnected from you. Forgive me for the times I have fallen short. I give my life to you today. Make me new. Forgive my sin. Cleanse any areas that I have fallen short. And give me a renewed passion for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, if you're here, if you're watching online, I want to let you know that you've accepted Jesus Christ and we celebrate that with you. We also want to give you the next step to help you continue to grow in your faith. And you can download a free app called YouVersion onto your phone or other devices. You can even go online and just create an account there. And uh, you search the Bible plans, the Bible reading plans. It's called Next Steps in Following Jesus. I want to encourage you to take that and begin to go through it. If you're in the local in the area, we want to see you here in our service. And uh, if, uh, if you're not in the area, I encourage you to find a local church that's uh, preaching God's word. Continue to go there so that you continue to grow in your faith. Let's have everyone stand this morning. I'm going to read over you what we just read together as my encouragement to you this week. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. You can hold your hands out if you just want to receive this word this morning. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So this week I want to encourage you to go and to be strong in the Lord, protect yourself with God's armor, stand firm, and become a disruptor in your prayer life. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. I want to see some disruptions. Amen.